Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. As we kick off the new year, we start with our lending update. And for many of our listeners, you checked out the Barry Habib forecast, which was just on point last week that we released. But as we get started here, we got Daniel Halverson from Bank of England joining us today for our lending updates we usually do every month. But we also got a special guest, Mr. Nick Thors, joining us for the lending update. And uh, Nick, Daniel, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So, man, we got some great stuff to talk about. Obviously, 2022 wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say wasn't a a banner year compared to 2020, 2021. But, you know, as we've seen, you remove those two years, 22 was pretty darn good. Some might argue it was the best year we've seen in the last 10 years, but it didn't feel like that. And I think that, uh, you know, as we kind of take into perspective, the opportunity that jumps in front of us as 23 is is pretty large. And, you know, I was kind of going to kick off talking about is how can we help people build their pipelines? Like, how can we help agents? How can we help other originators start to build their pipeline as we go into 2023, Daniel? Yeah, well, I'd say 2022 probably feels a little bit different psychologically because it was a year of highs and lows. You know, the way the year started, very high. Market was really good. And then, um, you know, things turned quickly with interest rates really leading the way. Um, but I think that we do annual mortgage reviews uh, at the bank every year. And uh, in the past, the last three or four years, it's been a relatively um, straightforward uh, thing just because interest rates have, for the most part, been on a downward trajectory. So most of the conversations are centered around, does it make sense to refinance? And uh, as we move into 2023, and really, I think f- for the foreseeable future, you're going to have the majority of your clients that are at an interest rate that's considerably lower than what you could possibly attain you know, right. now or for the foreseeable future. So really, our, our goal is we've got some really exciting ideas that we want to use to help our agents build their pipelines, um, obviously help our team build our pipelines. And, um, you know, we can obviously get into some of those those details, I think, a lot of that has to do with with our rate forecast. So maybe we'll we'll table some of those details until we get to our rate forecast. But um, you know, but I think that if you are um, a lender in the business or a real estate agent in the business, and you're not partnering together to do annual reviews for your clients, you're really missing a great opportunity to check in and bring value um, outside of just can I lower my interest rate? You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're identifying opportunities for buying a new home, selling an existing home, you know, what are what are some tax saving opportunities, uh, both property tax related and maybe income tax related? How can we help you to plan financially for your future? You know, are there opportunities where we can help you to save money within your current mortgage without a refinance? So there are a lot of different things uh, that we're looking at and, and really getting creative and, and building a, a large knowledge base for our clients so that we can be uh, truly an advisor for them. Right. And I think that it's important, uh, you know, if you're a real estate agent or a lender listening right now, you know, Brian Buffini does his annual market projections. One of my favorite ones. And that was released end of December. And, and I can't remember the percentage, but he essentially said that they surveyed clients and the vast majority of them would not consider their real estate agent to be part of their financial team. It was it was literally like eighty three percent. I believe it was. I was going to say eighty percent. I didn't want to butcher that, but but it was a large number. And I, and I think that as a mortgage lender, if you're just out there selling debt to everybody, just like all of the other mortgage companies, you know, you're probably in that same boat with the mm-hmm. rest of uh, those folks that think that the real estate agent's not a part of their financial team. So the question is, how do you become part of their financial team? You know, and I think that that's even more important because you look at our average clientele. Uh, a lot of them maybe don't have a financial advisor. A lot of them maybe don't even have a CPA. So we have the opportunity to really be their most dependable source of 
financial advice. So, you know, that's kind of the, the, the reason that we started doing annual mortgage reviews. And I think as we move into this year, we've got some really exciting things that, um, that we want to talk about with our clients. Yeah. And when we talk annual mortgage reviews, it's, 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 it's almost as simple as like, Hey, you know, Nick, I'm calling you here. We did a loan for you as an advisor. I told you, I'd take a look at this. Hey, rates have gone down to your point, Daniel, no brainer. Right. But now the dynamic has shift. And one of the things that we've seen that Barry spoke about in the last episode was with credit card debt being at an all time high, a massive amount, and some of the most minimum payments ever being made, and savings rates being at the lowest level pre-COVID pandemic levels, kind of pre- presents itself with an opportunity for possible refinances, which we're going to talk about here. And by no means are we saying, hey, listen, you should refinance, you need to do this. But if you're substituting revolving debt for a term debt, and you can get it at a lower interest rate that's tax deductible, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. And that's something we'll get into here in just a minute. So there is some good news for first-time homebuyers on the horizon. We've seen some agencies remove some loan-level price adjustments. You want to talk briefly about that, Daniel? Yeah, just to, to keep it in layman's terms, essentially Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the, the government agencies, they've historically had loan-level pricing adjustments um, for loans that are uh, at 3% down or 97% loan-to-value. Mm-hmm. There's been an additional pricing hit. And th- there are all sorts of l- pricing adjustments. That's not the only one. but right. Uh, but essentially from a risk base, you know, somebody putting less than 5% down would automatically get a higher interest rate than somebody that put 5% or more down. Right. So uh, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, who governs Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, announced that essentially they've removed those loan-level pricing adjustments um, for people that are at or below 100% of the average median income. Well, we call it the AMI for short. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit different because most of the programs that are available uh, that are kind of geared towards first-time home buyers that offer um, better rates without those loan-level pricing adjustments have historically been based on being at 80% of the AMI or below. So they've bumped that up. It's the equivalent of about a $20,000 um, increase in income that wow. that now a, a buyer that falls into that category um, can take advantage of, of Now, does that mean rates. that's going to impact the Florida housing loans as well? Are we going to see potentially better rates because that loan level price adjustment is being removed? Uh, no, those those interest rates are set by the housing agencies. Okay. So that won't impact anything. Um, you know, the housing agencies have kind of some of their These own. These are more of the home-ready products. Yeah, home-ready, home-possible, but even just a 3% down conventional mortgage um, that, that doesn't fall into those. <clears throat> so if you're above the home-ready or, mm-hmm. or home-possible income limits, you can be Above those, but below 100% AMI. So speaking of Florida down payment, Home Sweet Home, which is uh, part of eHousing's products, just made its way into Duval County. It's always been in Clay County, but in Hillsborough. Now it's in Duval County. You want to talk briefly about that? It's, well, it's been in Duval County uh, off and on, okay, but, excuse me. but it has been uh, around for a little while. And um, in Duval County of recent, um, you've been able to get $15,000 as a first-time home buyer for down payment and closing cost assistance. Uh, but that has been increased to 20000 effective immediately. 25% increase. So uh, it really the big thing there is, you know, at $20,000, a first-time home buyer is able to get into a home really with no money out of pocket and be able to u- use all of that money for down payment and closing costs. So, you know, one of the reasons, Nick, you joined us on the show here, you're recognized mm-hmm. by the state of Florida's uh, e-housing program, the, the, the Florida bond particular. Uh, Charles White and that group says you're one of the platinum lenders over there, which means you finish in the top 1% of all lenders. Matter of fact, we've got a couple of team members over at Bank of England that are a part of that there. But Nick, in particular, you know, how many loans do you do probably on a month, let's just say on average, 
How many of these on a percentage basis are you seeing that are qualifying or that you're doing for this Florida housing, one of their various products? Yeah, I would say a large number of my clients that are interested in down payment assistance programs are able to become qualified. Um, it's really not a difficult program to become qualified for. It's just a matter of going through the motions, getting them to understand the process, I think is really key. Yeah, it's a unique product because it's specifically Florida bond, right? And so it's not Georgia bond, it's not America bond, it's Florida bond. So what I find is that sometimes there's a lot of lenders that can't take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. There's some new lenders that have come to market that are just now getting to become a part of it. And as we learned many years ago, when we do this, there's a lot of stumping of the toe that takes place. Oh, here. absolutely. So um, when you're going through this here, there's, there's this old uh, adage, nobody qualifies for it, right? That's, that's usually what people say, oh, you don't want that because no one's going to qualify yeah. for it. Talk, kind of debunk that myth for us here just a little bit. Well, I think it goes into a lot of maybe other lenders who aren't able to participate in the program will try to kind of remove themselves from that and, and make sure that their client, you know, isn't really thinking about that option. But mm -hmm. in all reality, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, it is more about knowing the product and understanding that product and making sure that the client is well in tune with how that is to be structured to be able to get them approved. I think the eligibility requirements, you know, credit score was 640. I would say a majority of people are able to achieve yeah. that maybe with one or two adjustments to credit if needed at all. So astonishing thing, real quickly, what's the largest loan size you've done on a e-housing product at all? Wow, uh, that was probably last year and it was somewhere in the upper 400s. Upper 400s. I think I saw one close yesterday uh, out there at $515,000. Pretty incredible. It's not like a limit like you would think. Some people just put a cap at like $200,000. That's, that's another myth. Yeah. So a lot of good stuff going on there. So definitely appreciate your input. As we kind of move out of that, let's talk a little bit about some of the renovation products that are coming to market right now, Daniel. Well, um, you know, historically, renovation loans have been around for as long as I've been in the business. Um, and while some buyers have taken advantage of them, the, the sticking point has always been the amount of red tape that's involved. So, mm. you know, you have to have a licensed contractor in most cases, you have to have a formalized bid. So you have to go find a contractor, you got to uh, find a contractor that's willing to work with a bank and submit a bunch of additional paperwork they wouldn't have to <laughs> on, just hassle, on any right? other job, you know, and then... It's also hard on the lender sometimes. Well, it is, but, you know, and then the contractor has to be paid in draws. So, um, you know, they may want to skip over to a renovation project where somebody's going to, you know, not finance it and pay them in cash when it's done. So... Flip this house makes renovation look real fun and easy. <laughs> right, right. Well, HDTV is sometimes not our friend. No, it's not. I've noticed there's never a lender on HDTV promoting how great this product is either, though. But go right ahead. But um, but basically, you know, we now offer Bank of England now offers a a, a purchase plus and more renovation program, and, and essentially the big difference here is instead of getting a contractor involved, you know, essentially the buyer can go to their favorite store, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever you know, store of choice. Mm -hmm pick out new flooring, new appliances, uh, very basic cosmetic things that they want to do. Uh, and, and we'll roll that into the loan, you know, so basically getting a, lo a lot of the benefits of renovation of giving the home a facelift, you know, you're, you're not going to put an addition onto a property with this product, but right. you're giving the home a nice facelift, fixing the, the things that are, you know, probably most important to a buyer right when they move in. And, um, you know, being able to do that uh, really a lot with a lot more ease. And these are loans that we're closing mm -hmm. in 30 days. So, uh, you know, historically, a renovation loan has been 45, 60 days. And uh, depending on on how uh, helpful your contractor is, I've seen them go uh, a little bit longer than Much that. Longer. So, <laughs> right. Well, I think that I think that this is important because we talk about inventory, maybe not being exactly what a buyer wants. So we're not finding that matchmaker. And this could be a product that helps them kind of alleviate some of those concerns and, and kind of create what they want. Without a doubt. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, I think so. So as we kind of uh, finish and wrap up here, we got two more topics, but I love this one, the adjustable rates to the rescue. Now, for the record, I'm not an adjustable rate mortgage fan, and there's many reasons why, maybe because we've lived in a rate, low rate environment, but as we've kind of seen this peak a little bit, this might be a good, I hate the term Band-Aid loan, but let's call it a temporary loan until until we see some of those lower fives. But, you know, maybe maybe for some people who are going to live in the home for short term, this is a perfect fit for them. So maybe take a chance, just to take a moment to talk about that. Yeah, I think adjustable rates are are not for everybody. Uh, they're certainly for people that are a little bit more, um, you know, uh, willing to take a chance financially. Um, but well, when you say take a chance, I mean it's not like we're playing blackjack with our mortgage here. You're saying, hey, listen, I'm secure in my finances for the next three years. This payment makes me feel good, or whatever the term of the arm rate is. And at that 36 month, I know I have a choice I got to make. Correct. Right. And at that, th- yep. it's almost like an auto lease. I know I got to either A, accept the new rate that's going to come to market based on my adjustability of this mortgage, B, refinance or C, sell. Right. It's, it's completely up to me. I can make the, I control the decision, but I know. So I would say it's more for the person that's educated about the process more than doubling down. And well, that's, chance. you know, that's an accurate statement too. I'd say it's a, it's a low risk uh, proposition, you know, because the reality is interest rates certainly could be higher at the end of that term, but right. to think they're going to be astronomically higher. You know, there's a lot of people that took advantage of arm rates coming out of, um, you know, 06, 07, 08 and, and made out like bandits because mm-hmm. interest rates were kind of on a free fall. Right. So, you know, adjustable rates got a bad rap when when lenders stopped qualifying people based on what their rate could be. Sure. Uh, and I think that that's an important thing to, to mention. But Bank of England, you know, we have a portfolio arm product that we've rolled out that uh, interest rates considerably below market. So... You when know, you say portfolio for our group, you want to go ahead and kind of explain what that means? Well, essentially what that means is we're not uh, captive to agency guidelines. So we're not following, uh, or rather, let me say, we're not selling the loan to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Yeah. We, and, uh, and why would we not do that? Like, well, what's the point behind that? Well, I think that the, the biggest reason is that you can set the parameters of the there loan you yep. and you can take away um, the pricing adjustments that those agencies put into place. You can control your own pricing and you can offer a product you know, that is maybe a lot more favorable than what somebody that's specifically captive to agency products could offer. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, but essentially it's a three-year adjustable rate loan. Um, and then after that, it adjusts annually. Um, but it's, once again, it's another tool in the tool belt. You got somebody that's savvy financially, maybe they don't anticipate being in a home long-term. It's just another option that we can give them to allow for them to, you know, take advantage of the market right now, negotiate right. good terms on price, and get a rate that allows them to still stay payment-wise where they want to be. I think it's very important. I might have cut you off there. Explain that rate again. It's what below the market? Well, it's going to be different for everybody, but you could probably expect that rate to be about a half percent to three-quarters of a percent below what a fixed rate would would yield you. Yeah, but also below the current market rate. So I think if I heard you correctly, that the the portfolio allows that pricing to be aggressive. That is correct. Yeah, so I would expect an aggressive pricing on that, and that's, uh, that's exciting to see. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family and I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, 
take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. So obviously at the end of every one of our every one of our lending updates, we talk about the rates because that's the million dollar question. What are rates going to do? Where are they going to go? And we've been sitting here for the last six months, still going to stay on this, still going to stay on our high horse and say, we are expecting fives. Um, and, and at what capacity we think Q1, Q2, uh, we are, we're still going to see some volatility, a little bit of that roller coaster analogy that Barry used in the last podcast, but we do anticipate it. And there's many reasons why, and we'll get into that here in a minute here. But the real reason is inflation's deteriorating, which means it's coming down. It's still inflated, but it's coming down. You know, it's it's more than zero, but it's less than six. And as we start to see that come down, interest rates historically fall with it here. And, you know, we just saw a significant decline in the CPI, if you want to take a minute for the consumer price index, just to kind of define what that is again, and then also explain it, the fact that it went down. Yeah. So, so CPI, consumer price index, is the, uh, the main inflation reading that the feds are looking at to make decisions. And um, the CPI uh, came out December 10th, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, Inflation uh, essentially came down uh, year over year from 7.7% to 7.1%. So we've talked about this. We still had inflation. Inflation was a positive number, but because we're replacing higher inflation readings with much lower ones, the year over year is dropping pretty considerably. So we went from over 9% inflation to now, you know, let's call it 7% inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at the core inflation rate, which that's the the Fed's preferred method that they want to, to, to look at as a metric because it strips out food and energy prices, which uh, if you listen to Barry's podcast, he ex- described very eloquently. Essentially, those are things that are uh, are are more volatile and not within the the control of monetary policy. Correct. When you talk about food and energy, but uh, but the core inflation dropped from six point three percent to six percent. So once again, we had a little bit of inflation, but we're trending uh, in a in a downward uh, trajectory. So we're moving in the right direction. Right. There. And so in this direction, going down is good because then mortgage rates should come down as well. And I think it's important that the CPI is a measurement that the Fed uses to look at their favorite form of of measurement of inflation is PCE, which is the two major forms, right? But at this point, they're looking at anything they can get to show downward signs of relief of the policy that they put into place. Yeah. And the other big part of the lending update that was worthy of explanation, and and once again, you know, Barry uh, describes these things very eloquently. But (laughs) It's a great way of doing that. But one of the reasons that he anticipates inflation readings to continue to come down, we're we're not just banking, we're not just hoping for that uh, with our forecast and and what we're talking about here. You know, 39% of the core CPI inflation is made up by shelter costs. And one of the large uh, metrics that they use to determine shelter costs is the year-over-year change in the listing for apartments. So uh, what basically what they're listing the home or the, the, the apartment for for rent. Mm-hmm. And when you look at uh, fall of 2021, rental prices had peaked, uh, I think, 18, 19% year-over-year increase. So rental prices went through the roof. Right. And subsequently, as we moved into spring of 2022 through uh, really now, rental prices, while they've increased, are they're, they're being raised year over year on a much lower clip. So, but the challenge with that is that data lags because if I sign a lease in uh, fall of 2021, I don't renew again until fall of 2022. So that number comes down uh, a lot slower than um, something like, uh, you know, the price of socks. Right. Um, 
maybe a poor example, but you get the point. Uh, <laughs> price of coffee. <laughs> right, price going. of coffee. Right. But, uh, so essentially, and, and Barry uses this analogy um, of a roller coaster. You know, you've mm-hmm. got um, you've got on the da- you've got people on the downside. Data's on the downside, uh, coming down. But because it's year over year rate reading, you've still got readings from uh, twelve months ago. From twelve months ago, they're elevated, and as eventually, you know, that side of the roller coaster will all be headed downhill. So as we move uh, into the the first quarter of the year, shelter costs we can expect them. To you know, to drop considerably, and given that it makes up almost forty percent of the core CPI, that could really move CPI inflation, you know, considerably lower. Yeah, and some argue, well, fuel costs are going to go up, Daniel. This is, that, but we're talking about the core reading. To your point, so Correct. yeah, fuel costs are going to go up, but that is not going to affect the core reading because they stripped that out. So that's something to consider here, you know. And as 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 we kind of listen to his forecast, Nick of the billions of pre-approvals you've done and currently have out there. I mean, pent-up demand. There's a lot. Pent-up demand is just sitting there. It's like a it's like a pool of alligators waiting for a house just to be dropped down. They're all going to gobble it up and fight over it. You know, what does what is this rate, what does this matchmaker rate, this strike rate need to be for these people to say, I'm comfortable now. For our prospective community of buyers to go, Mr. and Mrs. Agent, I'm ready to make that move. Mr. and Mrs. Loan Officer, I'm ready to make that move. In your expertise and in the 10 plus years you've been doing this and what you're seeing in the current environment, what does that number need to be? I would honestly say with a lot of my clients right now, I think it's just the magical number of five. Anything in the five is going to give them kind of the warm and fuzzy feeling that, that things are in a better direction. And I would say, you know, in today's world, I would say anything in the fives is really going to be the new threes. Yeah, I, I love that statement. The, any, the five is the new three, right? And that's that's the reality here. And I think we'll get a lot of people that'll make that jump. And, you know, in your opinion, Daniel, when, you know, to Nick's point, we get some fives, we get some demand going. What is that going to do to housing? I think to a lesser extent, you're, you're going to get back to multiple offers. Um, there are a lot of people waiting for rates to go down. Right. And to think that when rates go down, uh, you're not going to be uh, just like everybody else going back into the market at once, you know, would would be a little bit foolish, I think. Um, so rates go down and they go down, you know, if they, if they were to go down, you know, in a short period of time, you're going to have a large uh, pool of buyers flooding the market. And we've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. There's not enough inventory uh, still, even where anywhere close uh, to, to support, to this. support yeah. that, you know, to- yeah. For, from a demand standpoint. So a lot of people enter the market all at once uh, to purchase the same homes. We're going to have to a lesser extent what we've seen where home prices are driven up by that. It, you know, and I think that when we talk about this, you know, it's important to note we're not, you know, we're not anticipating inflation data uh, to move in a straight line and interest rates to move in Great a straight point. line downward. And I think that one of the the things that we really can't project that is something that is going to impact that is um, what happens with uh, fiscal policy. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just saw a new $1.7 trillion spending bill. Yeah, that unbelievably <laughs> came out of nowhere, yeah, but yes. For those of you that don't know, that creates inflation because they print <laughs> they print that $1.7 trillion. We don't have it. We've, we've obviously We're creating been, more money. Yeah. Isn't that the problem? A, we've been running in a deficit yeah. for probably as long as I've been alive. Um, but so we're, we're creating money so that the challenge the feds have is they are, uh, they're tightening. You know, we've got contractionary monetary policy, and we've got expansionary fiscal policy. So uh, if those could get on the same page, then you would see this happen a lot more quickly. But uh, really the only way to um, 
to have contractionary fiscal policy is to raise taxes or cut spending, and neither one of those gets votes. So <laughs> exactly, you know, we're, we're in a we're in a damned if you do, damned if you don't environment right now, and it, this becomes an addictive policy. You know, the printing of money becomes addictive because it's the automatic solution to the problem. Right? We'll just pay it off, it's quick and easy. Yes, exactly. And then you got the Federal Reserve that's like, hey, listen, we're we're trying to fix this, and you're you're we're trying to turn the faucet off, and you're turning the fire hose on, and that's a problem. And then what does the Fed love to do? They they tend to love to go into quantitative easing. They want to get out of this tightening as fast as possible. And now they're being forced back into a, a, a rubberneck situation, if you may. It's kind of only going to uh, – it's going to inflate the policy that much worse. No pun intended. It's going to it's going to inflame it. It's going to make it worse. So these are some challenges that we have ahead. And, uh, you know, and hopefully, hopefully we get through this here. But in the meantime, I think – we're going to see some lower rates. We're going to see some environments where our buyers can take advantage of this. Our sellers can take advantage of this. And, uh, you know, if you're someone looking to buy, refinance, or sell a property, Nick, where can they find info- more information out about you? Hey, you can certainly find me on the website, Bank of England. Um, my phone number, my email, everything is right there. Okay. You got any social handles you want to throw out there? Uh, Thor's 904. Thor's 904. All right, Daniel. Hey, thank you for your time as yeah, always. Well, and for one, you, what do you want to tell us here to wrap yeah, up? Yeah, one, one more thing here. I think leaving people with some some parting thoughts, going back to the annual mortgage reviews. Once again, if you're in the real estate industry and you're trying to build your pipeline as we move into this year, um, we've talked about rates. We're, you know, we anticipate them to come down, what that can mean. Uh, what I would advise you on is is don't wait until rates come down to develop a game plan of how you're going oh, to, I love this to capitalize. Yeah. So, you know, if you're speaking with people or have spoken with people that, that feel like interest rates have priced them out of the market, why not re-engage with those people, find the interest rate and the payment that makes it make sense for them to do something, whether it be buy their first home, mm-hmm. buy their step-up home, sell their existing home, you know, consolidate debt, find the interest rate where that makes sense, put the numbers together, get them financially committed and get it, get into a position where when rates drop, you've already got your, your categories of people that, you know, can benefit. You can act quickly. You can get the clients commitment that, Hey, I want to go ahead and move forward on this and take advantage of this because if it's not a straight line, you know, if it's five, one day and five, seven, five, the next day, you know, and you spend all your time uh, getting people back on board at five and then five, seven, five happens. Well, now psychologically, those buyers want to sit on the fence again. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think having a game plan for what you want to do uh, when rates hit a target where it makes sense, you know, going ahead and putting that together now is a, is a huge thing. And, you know, let somebody like Nick here at Bank of England uh, sit down with your clients, sit down with you, with, with, with you uh, put a game plan together and somebody like Nick, that's one of the top here uh, in our market and really in the industry, you know, somebody that's poised to capitalize on something like that. Yeah. Lenders, turn your uh, speakers up for this one because Daniel just gave you a gem of advice here, a free gift for 2023. And if I heard you correctly, it's, hey, listen, let's get our database in line. Agents, this could be for you as well. Let's get our database in line and get people on point with what's that rate? What's that strike rate? What's that payment need to be? in order for us to go ahead and proceed forward. Because if I hear you correctly, it's not going to be a straight fall. It's going to be a, it's going to be an up and down ride. And when we hit those points, we need to be able to capitalize on them and not call everybody and see if you're ready. You need to already be ready. You know, the old adage of, you know, I don't need to get ready. I stay ready. And that's where our clients need to be right now. Yeah, stay ready. And, to and go. for originators, imagine if uh, you had a crystal ball, you knew a global pandemic was coming and you know, 3% mortgage rates were coming <laughs> and you could have prepared your clients for that. Imagine how many more loans you could have closed and, you know, how much more business you could have done. You know, we're sitting here telling you right now that there's an opportunity for lower Here's your interest crystal rates. Ball. We're, we're telling you that that's coming, not in the form of a global pandemic, let's hope, 
But we're telling you that's coming and ask yourself, what could I do differently this time to capitalize? Yeah, I love it. Great Nick, point. thank you for your time today. Absolutely, thank you for Daniel, having me. Daniel, as always, man, great having you on the show. Appreciate the lending updates. Keep them coming. Always always good to follow Barry, so. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a tough <laughs> act to follow, but in this case, it kind of falls right in line. Hey, thank you both for your time. Appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.